0: Looking to make the rest of your life the best part of your life? Every week, the Words for Life podcast has principles and testimonies that will help us become a little better than we were yesterday. This will positively impact your life. Welcome to another Words for Life discussion. I'm your host, Terrence Farrell, a.k.a. T. Farrell. And I'm just so glad that you're here with us this week. Uh, got a great episode, what I think is gonna be a great episode this week. Um, actually brought back uh Gregory Vilfrank. Um two weeks ago. He was here. We were talking about mental health, and this is kind of like mental health part two, because when I was done, I'm 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 putting everything together and I was like, oh man, we I, I forgot to ask, like how he actually got through it. And so to give some some handles so that you can so that people struggling or people that know people that are struggling can have an idea not of what to do. This is not, hey, listen to us, here's what to do, but what he went through and hopefully that will spark some things. So before we even get into that, wanted to share something. It's a principle that um, that I, I use, that I, that I uh, made a part of my life and it's about discipline. I always find myself looking to have more discipline. And I heard Inky Johnson, he gave a definition that stuck with me. I wrote it down. It says, discipline is sticking to, let me say it again. Discipline is sticking to the plan after the excitement the plan generated is gone. I'll say it one more time. Discipline is sticking to the plan after the excitement the plan generated is gone. There's so many times I go, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to wake up at this time, I'm going to work out, then I'm going to read this, and I'm going to read a book a week or a book a month, this and that, and then somewhere in the middle it's like I'm all excited. I hit the first couple of days and then it's like, ah yeah, you know what? I'm a, I'm a di- this needs to get done and and the excitement goes, but discipline is sticking to it even when the excitement starts to dwindle because as we, as we all know, when you have discipline at the end of it all, you go, man, I'm so glad I stuck with that. Man, I'm so glad I put in the time. And so I just wanted to, that's a definition that I thought was key that I wanted to share. Um, Hopefully that does something for you. I'm going to say it one more time, just in case you want to write it down. Discipline is sticking to the plan after the excitement the plan generated is gone. Think about that and strive, just like I strive all the time, to have more discipline. And I, I know it, I, I know it will it will reap benefits for you or or um give you the benefits that you're looking for. Discipline is always a good thing. So now back to this week. This week, uh G and I, I like to call him G. Greg, Gregory Vilfrank, I call him G. Um, we're gonna get back into, we're gonna continue the conversation about mental health. So Without further, well, you know what, before I introduce him, just in case you didn't listen two weeks ago, um, I'm going to give a little intro, let you know who G is, just in case you go, I don't know who he is. He's a husband and father of three children. He loves the music making process, especially as it relates to film, TV, audio books, podcasts and video games. His compositions have been featured on major networks like VH1, Oxygen, MTV, just to name a few. He's also received placements in several popular reality shows, such as Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Loving Hip Hop, Preachers of LA, and many others. To me, he's just a good dude. Like we started working together. When he first started out, he would come and go, Terrence, can you show me this? Can you show me that? And it was nothing but love and then, he like got on a track that, you know, I'm on a different track, but he just started blowing up and I got, I, I'm just so happy for him. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, help me welcome Gregory Villefrank. G, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great, brother Terrence. Thank you for the, man, you got the Steve Harvey intros, man. You bring, <laughs> you bring us in.
0: <laughs> it's all, it's all true, man. It's all true. Appreciate uh, <laughs> yeah, man. So Two weeks ago, um, you were sharing about your past, about um, how family situations brought upon anxiety and depression. And I wanted to ask, what are some of the things that helped you or still helps you stay mentally healthy today?
1: Uh, Some of the more concrete things is I know we got we were catching up. We first of all, we hadn't talked in a while. So just y'all listening, that was like more of a catch up. We, we kind of doubled up on that, but to be a little more concrete, uh, some of the things that I that, that help, um, <laughs> this is going to be silly, but video games. And I don't say it just to be video games. It could be anything, but disconnecting from the thing that you're doing,
0: mm.
1: um, taking what um, some of my mentors in the past, uh, mixers and composers all told me take frequent breaks. So it, that's another thing that I think is key. When we think about micro steps, I don't know if we got into this last time, T. No, we did, but we did. Micro steps is something huge that a lot of the gurus and the, the, the wealthy people that I listen to, their podcasts and that I follow, some of them that actually are mentor, mentoring me, they talk often about micro steps and how important it is to take tiny steps while giving yourself grace. Because when we pace ourselves, mm-hmm. we work and we think of things on a project-oriented basis, and I think we kind of touched on that last time, that is really what helps me. Um, and with any project, pulling away from the project, you know, taking a, a 15 minute break here, a five minute break there, even if it's just leaving the studio, stepping outside of the studio, taking a deep breath, enjoying nature for like five minutes and hopping right back in. I've found that disconnecting is not just a part of my personality, um, because I disconnect from any, I like even my wife, I, she'd be like, okay, babe, go play a video game because you're like, you're snarling. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and I disconnect. It's just a part of who I am. I need to disconnect from people, things, even things that I'm looking at so that I can preserve my mental construct, make any adjustments necessary and come back and say, hey guys, I'm back. I just needed a minute. So taking frequent breaks is definitely a big big thing for me I do it really often
0: Mm, okay okay real good stuff um you talked about micro steps and when you were talking about it I just keep thinking of the people that say well you got to concentrate on your vision and the vision is the big thing and you know I'm not looking at my micro steps I'm looking at the vision and hopefully my steps are adding up and sometimes you know I I won't look away and I'm just I'm just trudging on because I see the big vision yeah How, how does vision play back into the whole micro steps
1: that's so glad you said that man um i took a i'm one of those personality quiz type geeks i took uh several personality quizzes and there's one that i actually uh, have my, myself and my teammates we've all taken it's called the uh the brain type assessment uh it's free to take and <laughs> my brain type is the oracle And the oracle, as the name suggests, is a visionary. Like I see things, I've been like this since I was a child. Like I can foresee things, not foresee things. In the church, they call it the spirit of discernment, I guess, (laughs) right? (laughs) Everybody else calls it clairvoyance, whatever. But that's always been my gift to sort of anticipate what might happen two days from now, a week from now. And with that gift, when I realized I wasn't crazy, Mm -hmm. with that gift, putting it into applications of my daily work is really about seeing the big picture. Um, and this is a, a note to my guys. Gentlemen, vision boards are not just for ladies. Vision boards are key because when you constantly have something to look at, look towards, my vision board is somewhere here. And I, the reason why I can't show it now is because I think I've outgrown it and I probably have to make a new one. Mm -hmm. But having a vision board is super key because to see the thing that you're wanting to do and accomplish while you're working, there's something about the vision and how it attaches to the mental cortex and all of that scientific stuff that really sort of drives it home. Mm -hmm. Um, Vision, like, so let's go back to the original question. Vision can be overwhelming and daunting if you look at the big picture for too long. Mm. At some point, it's like when you first get a Project T, right? So somebody comes in and says, hey, I got these songs and I just need to mix. So they've already done all the the, the music and the, they just need you to mix it. What is one of the first things you do? Like you you just spend like maybe a day, you go through all the tracks and just listen like a, like a fan and maybe like 10% engineer, right? Mm-hmm. You're just absorbing it. And I think that's what we should do with the the big picture initially. We just kind of look back at it and take it in. And then eventually you have to start the work and then you start piece by piece. And that's where the micro steps comes in. Because man, if you just, it's like anybody who goes into a, a major recording studio for the first time. I remember my first time at SAE, I was overwhelmed and I first saw the SSL board for the first time, I lost it. And the, the teacher, the instructor anticipated that. So he says, guys, the problem with most of you is you guys look at the board and you get overwhelmed. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna focus on one track at a time
0: mm-hmm.
1: signal flow and signal flow you can apply that to your life too you take one track at a time you take one step at a time you take one module at a time if it's your like the, the medical field or whatever mm-hmm. so that um having vision is great but knowing when to t- <laughs> another real quick story um that same brain type assessment my wife is an explorer mm-hmm. and if you know anything about the art of war like snipers snipers always have a spotter so, the spotter's job is to not only make sure the sniper doesn't die because the sniper's got their eye in the scope the whole time right, right. the spotter's job is to hey, make sure no like a scorpion doesn't go up their pant leg but it's as funny as that sounds, but it's also to make sure that their anything in the, that's not in their peripheral vision they 've got it covered mm-hmm. check for wind distance, check for all of that stuff and my wife My wife is my spotter because while I see long, she sees wide mm. So she's like a wide camera lens, if you want to think of it that way. And mm-hmm. what she does is when I get too much, I get too caught up in the vision, she pulls me back and says, hey, you've been in that scope way too long. If you come out of the scope, you look down and there's a rock under your foot that you were about to trip over. So just just so you know. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think having accountability partners um, Helps when it comes to vision because the vision can get cloudy or we can get infatuated by the vision where we're just like, oh, big picture. And then now we're in a trance. And then you need somebody to tap you on the shoulder. Hey, 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 come on, man. Micro steps. Let's get back to work. We got a whole season ahead of us. That's why these NBA players don't really championship is the goal. Right. But they're focused on micro steps. I promise you. They're focused on one game at a time.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. no, that's that. That's key, especially accountability partners. I, I was, I was, I was searching for a couple of accountability partners myself because it was like, you know, I'm getting in, I'm doing this, I'm doing, and when I look back, I'm like, man, I could have used somebody to go, hey, hey, T, didn't you say you was going to do this or what about this? And you know, just yes. stuff, stuff you missed. Now, there was another thing from from two weeks ago. You were sharing, and and you shared some 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 deep and personal things, and I wanted to know. How did you get over the stigma of being mentally unhealthy?
1: Man, that is such a touchy question, not just for our community, um, the African-American community, but just men in general. I find that there is a stigma of. Oh, they're gonna think I'm crazy, or they're gonna think I'm I'm this and I'm that. And all the images that you know we sort of grew up seeing of crazy people were like people in, in straight jackets, going around stabbing people, yelling at people, frothing at the mouth, you know, all that stuff, foaming at the mouth. I mean, and you know, that can be furthest from the truth. A lot of people internalize their mental health. A lot of people are dying, crying, screaming inside, mm-hmm. but on their surface, they're smiling like everything's great, everything's wonderful. And I find for me, the, when I sort of got over that stigma, I'll be very honest, T, I've, I've always been the odd man out. I've always been the oddball. So for me, not necessarily being the jock or the cutest guy growing up, you know, I, I was not the most attractive person in my in my circles as a kid. So I kind of knew my lane early on. Mm-hmm. And I have this thing that I said all the time. And when I used to write poetry, I said I failed popularity contests on purpose because for me it was like i was always kind of just poking holes at that whole game like clicks and stuff like in high school growing up in brooklyn you probably experienced this too the lunchroom was like a microcosm of the world you had the koreans at one desk yeah <laughs> the black the blacks on one another desk like maybe three four rows because you know we playing spades just mm-hmm. so y'all know i don't know how to play spades <laughs> <laughs> Um, you had the Puerto Ricans on the other side. And, and for me, though, bro, every lunch period, every day, I sat at a different table. Mm-hmm. And people hated that because they hated my freedom. They hated the fact that I was like Neo. I was an anomaly. I didn't fit in. And I was okay with that. Uh, mind you, this was after the whole um, anxiety, panic attack every day, passing out because I'm hyperventilating all the time. This was after I had discovered my musical gift. And this was after my confidence. I found my confidence. Mm-hmm. At this point, I was literally brushing the haters off. I was like, nah, you can't. It doesn't matter what you say because, A, I've never subscribed to the bigger, stronger, faster, cutest guy. I've never been a part of that pool. Mm-hmm. So I, I was immune to those things. So when people say, oh, he's, he's ugly. I was like, you might be right. <laughs> you just might be right. But I'm chilling, though. You know, I'm not worried about that. So for me, if I were to give advice to anyone, any young man or young woman or anybody who is going through this stigma of peer pressure or just dealing with maybe family who does not accept where the the conversation of mental health is taboo, I would say preserve your mental health at all costs. Mm -hmm. If you have to distance yourself from relatives because let's be clear, relatives and family are two different things. Right, right. right. I got I got family <laughs> that I just, some of them, I just found out that we're not cousins for real. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, but that's just how close we, we were. Um, but that would be, my answer to that would be to, to just be vigilant about taking care of your mental health. Some people, they'll get a call from their doctor and they'll switch their diet immediately. But very few people will Reach out to a therapist, or just reach out to another person and say, "Hey, man, I just want to. If you can just not talk for just five minutes and just let me speak and just get this out, I'd really appreciate that. We all need that one friend who's just like willing to be a sounding board, right? Right? right. They don't have to pull out a pen and pad and take notes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's all we need.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's 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 true. I mean, and and uh, again, referencing two weeks ago when you was talking about like you've even. Um, opened up to clients and like, yo, I'm I'm tired of, like fronting like everything's okay. If you're gonna ask me if everything's okay, I'm I'm gonna let you know. Hey, you know, this week what I, I wasn't okay or I'm not okay right now based on what's going on or the news or whatever. And I'm just thinking, man, I might lose a client or two. Like. They yeah. might look at me like, uh, you know what? I don't know if I should give this brother a mix. He might be off next week and it might delay the time I get my mix back. And it's like, yo, maybe I should keep that to myself and maybe mm. my, my close friend. Or, but you just seem like you've hit a point where you're authentic with it. And it's like, yo, I don't care who knows. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. no, I'm, that's perfect. And I'm so glad you said that because I literally took one of those mental health hiatuses just recently um there's a lot of pressure as more and more projects are coming in Mm -hmm. um your boy i don't i'm not afraid of almost i'm not afraid of anything i'd say um but most people while they're afraid to fail for me the fear of success is very real for me it it does bring me anxiety Mm -hmm. like when actually when i actually land a client and they Mm -hmm. sign a proposal some people like they chill like oh I'll finally be able to pay that bill. Me? Nah. It's like my anxiety actually ramps up because the imposter syndrome starts to whisper in the back of my head, like, mm-hmm. are you really worthy of this multi-thousand dollars that you just got yeah. as a down payment? Does this person know that your 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 studio is in your garage? And does that even matter? So there's all this stuff that goes on. Mm-hmm. And man, I told I reached out to my executive facilitator. I was like, look, I'm going to need to... Some time, and I spoke to my team, and I said, "I need, I needed a, a couple of days." And my facilitator is like, "No, just take seventy-two hours. I'm locking everything up." And so she literally, all my meetings that were for today, she mm-hmm. put them to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. She was like, "No, you're gonna, you're gonna preserve your mental health." Um, so that was something that's that's something that's really huge is being brave about being self-aware first and foremost is key. Mm-hmm. Um, but also being brave enough to say, "You know what? Um, my mental health is most important. Um, a gentleman by the name of Mario Armstrong, you may be familiar with him, He's um, a technologist, he's a sneakerhead, he's just an amazing motivational speaker, um, and he's become a good friend of mine recently. Mm-hmm. He speaks about authenticity and how in this new age of this new normal, quote unquote, right. um, authenticity is a new currency. And I was blown away by that concept because I think you and I might've even talked about this briefly when it comes to zoom and this whole remote thing, people really want to know who am I really hiring now that this pandemic thing has forced everybody into their homes and everybody's home is their castle. Mm -hmm. Like right now I'm wearing, I might look, the top looks good, but I'm like wearing PJs on the, on the bottom, <laughs> you know, like right, these right. pants um, with like a deer print on. It. I don't know why my, my wife got me this. But um, <laughs> having said that, <laughs> it's it's been such a, a mind hack where people are now, now that the gatekeepers are all home and now that the playing field is is leveled, it's all about who are you? Mm -hmm. so not it's not so much the person's Mm -hmm. gone to terrence terrence's website they see all the accolades they see what you've done right right but when you hit start zoom they want to know like who is terrence really right and i think when we this age is a perfect opportunity for the introverts the recluses like myself Mm -hmm. to find out about themselves to find that third gear of confidence that they might not have had before, where before there was the whole 60 60 second elevator pitch, that's dead right now. Right, right. Nobody's rushing you for anything. As a matter of fact, reach out to that CEO, reach out to that hiring manager, because I promise you they're home and they're not really looking at your resume. I mean, they're glancing at it to see if you've qualified for the basic things but they uh, really, bro. Like, it's it's really about transparency now. People want to know, like, who are you really? And when you lead with that, it's very, very difficult to fail in this age of whatever we're going through right now.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's good advice, man. For real. Um, I also wanted to. I, I thought about this also because not everybody um, goes through the mental health issues as hard as some. Yes. But you might know someone and how would you advise a, a sibling or a spouse to help, you know, if they see somebody struggling? Because a lot of times I might see somebody struggling. It's like, ah, you know, I can't say anything like I might throw them over the deep end or I don't know what to say. How do I help? I don't I don't know if you've got insight into that or how people have helped you.
1: Um, I think. One of the things is we have to get over the fear of becoming unpopular. You have to be willing to lose that friend Mm. um, for the sake of saving their life. You have to be willing to, I don't want to say violate their privacy, but if you see somebody going over a precipice, obviously you're going to pull them back. And because mental health is so esoteric, it's this, this sort of conceptualized thing where we can't really tangibly see it. But when you see signs, when you see a person sort of, Um, withdrawing into themselves, and this person is usually an extroverted, open, outspoken person, that's the perfect time to call for some sort of intervention, whatever, you know, within the circle of friends. That's usually one of the best things to do. Um, And there are hotlines, there there are mental health support uh, centers around the world. Um, I don't know any of those numbers offhand, but if you just Google them, you'll find them. There are ways, and even some of these centers will actually advise you on how to approach said individual. Mm. Um, Let's say the mental health um, signs they're showing are more, more medicinal or clinical, right? There are specific steps. There are ways to approach somebody who may be bipolar and might not know it. Mm -hmm. Right. Or somebody who may be um, on the, the beginning stages of paranoid schizophrenia. And mind you, I'm just talking because of of some experience of some of these being some of my family members. Um, But I know for me, it is it's always about being willing to lose that person's friendship. I've always said this, like, I want you to tell me my breath stinks to my face. (laughs) I want you to tell me that. And I might hate you for five minutes, but I love you for the rest of my life because I know that you're going to tell me the real like you're, you're going to be real with me, even though it hurts. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes you got to pull the bandaid off. Sometimes you just have to. And it's really about a judgment call. You have to sort of investigate whether you're a believer like you and IRT and you, you mm-hmm. know, sort of go into the spirit realm and you pray and you, you, you intercede on this person's behalf. Or if you're like everyone else and you just sense a vibe, you know, um, reach out. That person might actually want somebody to talk to them. That person might actually be literally crying out for help and not know how to, to to say it, and denial is going to be the first thing because it's like a defense mechanism, right? Like, no, nah, I'm not crazy. I just want you to know I'm not crazy. Right. But doesn't does crazy and I need help are they synonymous? And why should they be? Why should we be? Why should they even be in the same sentence? Right. Right. If I need help and it just so happens that I end up being crazy that's not even, that's neither here nor there. I think it's more important to give the help of whatever way that individual or individuals need it mm-hmm. at the time. Again, being willing to, I don't wanna say sever the relationship, but be willing to damage the relationship for the sake of that person's mental health. Because I've said this on, our, on our other platforms, once you lose your natural mind, that's it. I mean, you can lose a limb People have proven it. Losing, they've lost limbs, and they continue to live normal lives. Some of them are athletes, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, high performing athletes. At that, Um, others have lost their hair or just other things. But once you lose your mind, the the center of everything, and if you believe in God, that's your direct connection Mm -hmm. to God. That's it. It's it's a wrap.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, being being willing to um go through tough tough times in a relationship. I'll say it that way because I wasn't even thinking as deep and it could get as deep as, you know, bipolar or, you know, wanting to commit suicide, but it's just even, especially through what we just went through, people just aren't okay. Or people are now angry. Just, I'm just angry. And every little thing is ticking them off. And it's just like, yo, like, yo, where's my boy at? Or where's my sis at? Like you wouldn't, you weren't like this before. And then it's like, you know what? You're going through your thing. Everybody going through their thing. And you kind of back off and give them an excuse and you don't talk to anybody. Yeah. And then if something does happen, and they could be, they they could want somebody to reach out to them, but because of their initial reaction is like, yo, I'm good. I'm good. Like, I always been good. You, you're all right. Like, I'm good. Go ahead, go home, whatever. And you know, they're not good. And right. it's just like, all right, I reached out. Okay. And you, because it, it felt uncomfortable. And I think that's the that's the the line or or where we have to go past the uncomfortability.
1: Yeah, man, that's so key. Like we have to be willing to be uncomfortable. I mean, I can I say it coming from a, a uh, an adolescence that was just pure athleticism, right? Like I've been an athlete most of my young life, so I'm very well aware of what discomfort is. Whether it was the actual basketball drills or the weight room afterwards Mm. um and boy god forbid you lost the game the day that the day before and the trainer's like okay y'all are mine now i saw y'all not getting back on defense all right let's get some suicides and let's get some um extra reps you know all this the punishment but when you're when you're committed to excellence the physical uh, and obviously also the mental excellence of training up your body um you learn to deal with the discomfort and I think once you establish relationships with people that you love, be, having uncomfortable discussions becomes necessary. I'll give you a quick story. My wife and I, in the very beginning of our relationship, I remember having conversations. And if you know people enough, especially in the love love arena, you can always tell when an argument is literally either around the corner or knocking at the door, right? Yes. And I would always notice that in the beginning, back when we were, we were engaged for a very short time, my wife and I, but during our engagement, <laughs> she would literally either figuratively or literally run away. <laughs> and I would run after her like, yo, what are you doing? And when we talked about it, she expressed her fear of me judging her or me yelling at her or me raising my hand to her because of past experiences that she had. Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and I had to pull her aside and say babe I don't hate you I love you I just hate what you did Mm -hmm. and when I was able to make that connection for her that to this day we don't even call it arguments we call it riveting riveting discussions (laughs) 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 and we actually look forward to it because you can't fight somebody that's not willing to get in the ring with you one of the best places to, to, to settle differences is in a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. You've seen it across some of these like inner cities where you have these older youths who would bring out boxing gloves and be like, nah, ain't no gonna be no gunslinging. Y'all two gonna duke it out right here, right now. Mm-hmm. In street. Mm-hmm. And then you're gonna hug it out and then it's gonna be dead. It's gonna squash it. Right. And that for me was one of the things that so I highlighted in my own life. So making the separation between, who a person is and what they do helps me to um, have that uncomfortable conversation if necessary and vice versa. Right. right. Um, when they approach me it's like, yo, gee, man, like what's going on with you? Or yo, gee, you said something that really hurt me. I have to be in a place of being willing to separate, knowing who I am and knowing that what I did and who I am are two different things and they're not one and the same. Mm-hmm. Once you can make that separation, that leads to better conversations, obviously better mental health um, scenarios for both parties involved. Because now you have somebody who is potentially hurt by something you said, or maybe they see a pattern of behavior in you that concerns them. They're more willing to pull you aside because you guys have gotten past that whole hurt feelings thing. And even with hurt feelings, you have to trust that the person who's who's doing the hurting, quote unquote, right. Best interests at heart. They love you. They care about you. And it's not always fun. It's not easy. Sometimes their tempers will flare. Sometimes the person will walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I promise you, if the person doesn't, you know, come right back, there might be a phone call the next day say, yo, man, my bad. I was out of line. I just didn't expect that. I didn't expect you to come at me that way. So it's, 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 no, it's real. It's going to be dirty. Uh, mental health is not a, It's not an ABC after school special all the time. It's not a clean break of like, oh, you really hurt my feelings. Or like, oh, I really see you sitting off and sad. Let's go talk. And then you hear the the corny piano music playing. (laughs) Sometimes it's it's cussing, it's yelling, it's screaming. It's not talking to somebody for weeks. I know people who have gone years not talking to people and then God forbid somebody passes away and now they're the loudest one in, in the funeral home crying their eyes out. Yeah. Because they were not willing to have that uncomfortable conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Now, I want to I want to touch on one last thing Um, that, again, you said two weeks ago and I was like, oh, I'm hitting this one. You <laughs> said how can you said too much positive reinforcement can be bad for your mental health. And I think I know what you're talking about, because I think I went through the same thing. But I yeah. want you I want you to elaborate on that.
1: Oh, absolutely man. um there's so many ways you can go out with this, but there's actually one particular thing um yes, men, you know it's it's almost like what's what social media has sort of created and crafted. Mm-hmm. It started off with the 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 blue and white thumbs up from Facebook, yeah. you know yeah. the like yep. and I remember the first time I literally blew up my facebook um platform like i didn't I didn't inactivate it I deleted it like completely. This was many years ago because that was the main platform that I was showcasing my music, who I was working with. And I felt like I was just getting all these likes, like nobody was giving me constructive criticism. I mean, your friends and your fan base, your people, they're always gonna love you, but very few people were pulling me aside like, yo, that that last little phrase you did was kind of whack. Here's how I would have done it. Very few people were doing that. Mm -hmm. And bro, it was actually causing me mental distress. Because I felt like I was like, well, now that I'm taking this thing seriously, this is around early 2000s, around a few times that you came to SAE to record drums for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was around that time. where I was like, yo, I need to really separate myself because nobody's giving me the real. I mean, I know I'm nice, but I can't be that nice. Right. Like, I know I'm good, but I can't be that good. There has to be some way that I, need, I can grow and nobody's telling me anything. So. I found myself shrinking back from the, the oh, Greg, that was an amazing performance at church or whatever. or oh, I love what you did this. Sometimes I would actually challenge those people. like, well, what didn't you like? And then I'd get the, they'd kind of, you know, stand back. But the few people that gave me the feedback and it's all about feedback. That's really what it is. Um, you want to have the positive and the negative or better yet, the positive and what needs to improve right and i felt i find that that for me i just think it's okay let's think about children for a second i think it's probably the best way to explain this Mm -hmm. if my son is doing great but then my son and i'm giving him kudos for that and obviously if my son's doing bad i'm not going to say good job right but too much positive reinforcement is going to give my son a very jaded, very superficial, very fake, false view of the world. Because I'm telling basically telling them it's sunshine and rainbows. Everything is great. Everything is fine. You're doing wonderful. And I'm not taking the time to say, you know what? Come, let's talk about that last thing you did. This is not a I'm not jumping on you, but here's what here's what I would have done to do it better. Let's talk about it. Let's break it down. It's like watching the watching the tape after the game. Mm-hmm. Like teams that were really serious about going to the next level they watch tape mm-hmm. some of the great masters of the game kobe michael i can name i can go on a, a, a conundrum of, of names mm-hmm. watch tape it was important for them to see not just what they did right but what they did wrong and how they can correct it mm-hmm. so for me positive reinforcement while it is necessary. And I know this because if you know love languages, uh, my love language is words of affirmation. So I'm really big on that. But mm-hmm. there was a point in my life, and I can be real transparent here, there was a point in my life where I was overly seeking words of affirmation. And it became a damper to me because when I didn't get words of affirmation, my performance would suffer. mm this would be in in my marriage with my children, with my work. Um, And I had to figure out how to shift it so that I was the one affirming myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was the one saying, you know what? It's God, me, then everybody else. And that was not an easy transition, T. That was one of the hardest like self-taught lessons. I'm a self-taught musician. I'm a self-taught most of the things that I've done, but that was one of the hardest lessons I had to learn by myself, for myself, mm-hmm. it's how to, how to make sure that the words of affirmation that I seek, that it wasn't the primary, like I wasn't always leading with that. You know how they say you wear your heart on your sleeve? Right. Like, I was a poster child for that, bro. And when I made that adjustment is when it became easier because the worst thing that I did initially, and I can again say this transparently was um, or in a transparent fashion was I overdid it with the words of affirmation, where not only did I, I oversought it, but I couldn't get on without it. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I had to step back and say, you know what is like? what am I really searching for? And then it brought me back to the connection with my dad and all of that stuff. And then all of that came back up. And then I was like, okay, I realize I see it now. And that's when I made the shift, and I realized, like, you know what? Don't cut it cold turkey, because there are other people out there like me who had that issue with words of affirmation. And then, because again, then you start to feel like a burden. And people's like, man, why do you always need to have like a boost of confidence? Why can't you just be self-confident? You know, you withdraw. That's fine. Then I won't, I won't get nothing from nobody. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I hurt myself doing that um, because I still need it. It's a part of who I am. My, my, the way I'm wired. Mm-hmm. And nothing exposes that like a marriage, brother. Nothing, Ah, nothing. Yes, sir. Um, And when that was exposed and my wife brought it to my attention, it became easier. She taught me how to be self-confident. The most self-confident person I've met in my life is my wife. I've never met anybody that confident (laughs) because she didn't have the self-esteem issues that I had when I was young. Mm -hmm. With her, she went to magnet school, or you know, she had family members who were like, "Oh, she's so smart and she's so intelligent, mm-hmm. super encouraging." And not that I didn't have that, but I didn't know how to receive it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, long story short, I would just say it's a it's a fine balance. You have to know you have to know how to encourage yourself, like this, like David said, right? You know, encourage yourself or whatever. You have to know how to. And I, I digress. I don't want to say you have to know how to because that comes across wrong. You have to develop. Learning how to encourage yourself, mm-hmm. being self-confident, being self-aware, being self-assured, and understanding what that truly means. And for those of us who are believers, um, who might take this as a form of being sacrilegious, I give glory to God as a given. So when I say self-reliant, mm-hmm. I'm saying that in this, in the, in from the position that I've already given glory and honor to God when you didn't see me do it. So <laughs> right, that's you know that's a different conversation. But that's how I would answer that. I would say it's important to really know who you are, know where you stand. Um, and like they said, know thyself, right? Mm-hmm. Get, get to know yourself. You know, I'm not saying take yourself out on a date. You might have to do that. Some people think it's cool. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important. Self-care, another thing. Um, for me, uh, grooming is, last time I was looking like a Grizzly Adams, but you know, <laughs> I, I knew he we was going to do this. I was like, nah, I got to look sharp. <laughs> because how I how I see myself, especially as men for mental health, it's a huge, it's a huge thing. Getting a haircut. Mm-hmm. Um if you're married, making sure you shower. <laughs> you know, multiple. <laughs> if you're not married, way. making sure you shower. Yes, yes. Please. yes. <laughs> Thank you for that specification.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, the, no, yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think one of the keys, one of the things that stuck out is authenticity. Um, You need to be, and you touched on it, you need to be authentic with yourself. Once you start to understand who you are, who your weakness, what your weaknesses are, where your strengths are, and you don't run from it. You don't try and go, no, 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 I'm not weak in that area. If you are, you are. And if you're strong in another area, you are. I'll also say, um, seeking out authentic, positive reinforcement, because like, like I, Kind of alluded to, I had an issue with it also, too much positive reinforcement, but it hit me different. It was just like, whatever I did, they were just like, yo, T, you're amazing. Like, you're an amazing drummer. And I'm like, okay, I'm good, but you guys need to get out more because there's other drummers that like drum circles around me. No, right. listen, for me, you're my favorite. And I, and I had to learn how to receive it. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then, you know, I might need to do something with my company and I build a little website. No one, I'm just, it's just a placeholder. Yo, you did that, you're amazing. Yo, you produced that, yo, you're amazing. I sing on a track, yo, you can sing, you're amazing. And it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I can't listen to you anymore. Whatever I do is amazing. Yeah. And it was just like, yo, this is crazy. And. When you found yourself surrounded by a bunch of people that go around going, yo, T, you're amazing. It's like, yo, maybe I need a different circle. or I need to oh, yeah. I need to put some different people in this circle and go, no, that was good. Here's how you could do it better. Yeah. So that was nice on this level. If you want to go to the next level, here's what you want to do. And you just, you, you, you need those people.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have, as you can see, I'm wearing my little Black Panther Yes, yeah, yes. Sir. Um, I have a a joke among you know you know Cliff, um, our boy <laughs> yeah, Cliff, definitely we talk all the time, and we have this saying vibranium sharpens vibranium, and that's pretty much to say iron sharpens iron because it's like you when you have iron, I think could be destroyed, but I love vibranium because technically it's like it's you know und- indestructible substance, <laughs> and I love to use it as a metaphor because I think when you focus on um the your circle, mm-hmm. you want people that are going to make you better people yeah. that are going to make you uncomfortable, better, a com- uncomfortable, better, meaning not just, Oh, that was trash. And then walk away. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like those are just haters. Just, yeah, so you don't need about. those people. Right. You probably have a hater in your midst. <laughs> Here's <what> you do. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but man, for those people who like, yo, that was trash, but Here's how I would have done it. Or here's how you should do it. You're going to have those jokers in your life. There's some people that just, no matter what I do, they've known me when I was a kid. They changed my diapers. They're, they're allowed to say things like that to me because I know they're always going to follow it up with, like, you know what, G, on a reel, all jokes aside, here's what I saw. Um, here's where I think you could have done better. And some of the best people, Terrence, are not just the ones who tell you what, to, what they think you should do, are the ones who follow it up with a question. One of the best things you could do for me mm. is ask me a question. So for example, I did a mix and you think it's trash. And you say to me, Yo, G, I thought that was trash. But here's what I would have done. And blah, 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 blah. What do you think about that, G? Because now what you're doing is you're putting the person in position to it is usually a surprise. You give the person you, you put the onus back on the position, the person that says, I really care about you, despite the fact that I I led with. I think it's trash, (laughs) but I want, I did that just to kind of let you know, like, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. But when I ended it, I ended it with a question because I wanted you to stop and think that, wow. So you really want to hear my thoughts. You're not just giving me advice because you think um, you're, you're my big brother, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, I, I see what you did. I didn't really care for it too much. Here's my advice but I do wanna hear what you think about what I just said. Mm-hmm. And now what that does, again, this is these are mental health exercises that create stronger bonds. Like Cliff and I, I don't think I've ever had a beef or clash with Cliff ever. I think one time he said something um, and we got off the phone. And because of prior relationships that I had destroyed because I had just imagined stuff in my head and I made up this whole thing and I didn't want that to happen with, with us, I called him back because yo, Cliff, you said such and such such. Did you mean immediately he apologized? He said, Oh, because he thought he thought he put himself in my shoes and empathized. Cause this is what we're gonna talk about now, bro. The -hmm. difference between sympathy and empathy. He empathized and said, Yo, I see how you would take it that way. That was I was totally joking around messing around. That's my bad. I didn't mean it that way. Mm -hmm. You empathize with somebody, you're doing your absolute best to put yourself in their shoes. Now, while that's virtually impossible because there's no way that I can be Terrence, I can't be T. Pharrell and you can't be G. Right. I can still approach it from a human standpoint and say, I don't have any idea what it's like to live a day in Terrence Pharrell's shoes. But from a human male perspective, who's, I mean, he's married, he has a child, I'm married, I got three. I can put myself in his shoes and see what, and think about that. And just that base level of empathy mm-hmm. is what can really tie some serious binds between people. Where right? they're like, yo, that's my dude for life, or that's my brother for life, or my sister for life. Yeah. And I think some that's some of the most, I get, I feel like my body filling up with endorphins just talking about that stuff. And that's the thing, these are some of the things that lead to better mental health. You don't have to be the extroverted person. You don't have to be, the person that stands on the soapbox because I know I'm not I call myself um, an extrovert I guess an extroverted introvert because I've learned how to speak up and speak out, but at any given moment, I will disappear like <laughs> I'm out <laughs> right. you know, that's, that's me but um I think that would be if I had like maybe a parting shot would be to consider consider your mental your mind your mental construct, consider the mental construct of others. Be willing to have those uncomfortable conversations, mm-hmm. and, and be willing to be willing to lose a friend in order to save their life.
0: Right, 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 right. No, it's yes. key, key information. Key information. I also I want to just chime in real quick because um, got a friend. I think you know him too, Glenn Mosley. Oh uh, um, yes. And one of the things that I, I want to say, delivery does matter. I mean, you know, so as as you work on your delivery also, because one of the things he's like, I would always send stuff to him and he's like, that's cool, but here's how I would have did it. Now, and in my head, I'm like, okay, so you think it's trash. <laughs> he never <laughs> called my stuff trash, but he's like, here's how I would have did it. I, I wouldn't have added so much reverb. Cause you know, back in the day, when you first start mixing and you realize reverb, it's like, oh. Oh, we can reverb everything like oh this is dope this is the best effect ever and he was like I probably wouldn't have put that much reverb on it I probably would have did something like this but he took the time and it it always left me with and it, he left me feeling like but the decision is yours not what I would that's not what I would have done I would have did this I would have changed that or changed the kick I wouldn't have added so much re. and so when I know he's got a list of 17 things he would have did different. I'm like, yeah. okay, you thought it was trash. Yeah. <laughs> but he never said, I think that's trash, but here's what I would do. So delivery is important. And when you can figure that out, it's just you open yourself to talk to more people and keep more people that maybe might not be mature enough to hear this is trash, but they, they don't hear the butt. They don't hear anything after the butt because you said trash.
1: Yeah, it's true. It goes back to the who, what, when, where, and why. And for me, brother, it's always the how. I'm very much a how person. How Mm -hmm. you say something is really how I resonate. Because I'm an empath, again, you know, spirit of, (laughs) I'm an empath. I've embraced that. It took me years to realize, again, that I wasn't crazy. That when a person would come to be like, yo, what's up, man? As opposed to, yo, what's up, man? Like this, those are two different things yeah, yeah, that yeah. goes But right over their head. But that first one was like kind of grimy and like, yeah. you know, like we say in Brooklyn, kind of gully, like, yo, this person's trying to get at me. Yeah. Like this person, you, yo, you want to see me outside? Yeah. <laughs> Cause for me, that's the, how is how it's all always been for me, even in my relationship with my wife, the how is a very important thing for me. It's not as important for her, but because we've been together almost 11 years now, you sort of intertwine with a person, you take on their characteristics and attributes. The how has suddenly become very important to her. And I had to catch myself the other day in a hypocritical moment because I realized I was not mincing my words at all. Mm. Like the the guy who was all about the how, that guy, I don't know where he went. I blacked out. (laughs) And she called me out on it. She was like, how dare you, bro? Like you really been preaching this whole how thing. And the first chance you get when you finally fed up with me or whatever I said, you just completely lose all. She's like, you, you lost your natural mind. Like I'm about to cut you, you know. She's half Puerto Rican. She kind of meant that, so I, <laughs> I learned. I backed up real quick. I was like, yeah, babe, you know, just I don't know, you know, charge it to my head, not my heart, you know. What? <laughs> but yeah, the how is um, delivery is huge, but I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really how you, how you look at things, how you look at yourself, how you talk to yourself. Another thing, yes. self-talk. Yes. Self-talk is the make or break of this whole conversation. Like if, if you talk about being made in God's image and God being I am and God speaking the world into existence, right? We, talk, we see people talking about speaking things into existence all the time, whether they're believers or not, tapping into the power of the supernatural or as my father likes to say, moving faith moving the mighty arm of omnipotence, right? I find that it's super important to really, really be very careful what you say after you say I am. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i sad. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your brain, you said it out of your mouth. Your ears registered it. It went directly to your brain, and your brain is going to send signals throughout your body to make sure everything about that your aura, your presence, your physical, like your blood, your cells, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I am great, I am powerful. I am at peace with God and man. I am, I am calm, mm-hmm. I, am in, am, I am in a state of flow, whatever it is. You really have to be very mindful of how, t- how you talk to yourself, mm-hmm. especially what you don't say out loud because it can be detrimental.
0: Right. And and that's a I've I've realized that's a practice thing because I never wanted to like I am brave. I am and it's and in my head, I'm like, I'm really not feeling brave right now. I'm not, and I don't want to sit here and lie because I know I'm not. But when you go, I need God right now, like I I could, I need to take a break. Like you can say thing and you have to practice or figure out what it is like already pre-rehearsed when i'm feeling like this here's what i'm going to say i'm going to say i need to rely on god or you know what i'm going to take a break or i need to i need to breathe or i need to you know and rather than i'm scared man i i don't know if i could do it because those like you said your brain will find ways to reinforce you are scared oh that out see you're scared of that too you're scared your brain will go yep heard the message, I'm going to reinforce exactly what you said because yeah. you must be speaking the truth.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes back to the power of the words, like the power of the word, like, like when God spoke the world into existence and if we're made in, somebody said it to me, my executive facilitator said this to me, so shout out to Trey when she hears this. She said, and she was like, yo, why are we messing around? Like God spoke the world into existence. And we are made in his image what does that tell you like basically speak things as though they are now again you made a good point if you're hurting it's talking back to mental health mm-hmm. you know there's some things that after you pray you might need to dial a hotline and be like yeah i need to talk to one of your counselors mm-hmm. let's be real about it because there's just some things prayer is that initial connection to God or whoever, the other you know, people listening, whether they believe in God or not, whatever you subscribe to, that's that first initial connection, whether you pray, whether you meditate, whatever it is. But being real with the situation, I'm so glad you said that, because like, if you're scared, you're scared. Yeah. Giving that fear power, that's something else. Mm-hmm. But acknowledging the fear, I have this, I'm gonna leave it, to This this is the last analogy, I promise. <laughs> one of the analogies that I've, I've told mentees now i can't believe i'm i have a mentees now it's crazy um i think of anything that's negative or positive as a hotel right so think of the mental construct as a hotel when you come to a hotel when you're not a guest you're not allowed past that information booth you're not allowed past that place you cannot get to the elevator bank uh, it's just not going to happen Um, some, some hotels don't even let you into the business center because that's reserved for paying customers. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about negative feelings and allow them to come in. You're feeling sad. Yeah, you can come in. You can sit in the lobby. You know, there's a vending machine over there. You can get some snacks, but you're not going upstairs. Mm -hmm. You're not going upstairs. Low self-esteem is not going upstairs. Um, I hate myself is not going upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, suicidal thoughts is not going upstairs. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, if you're having suicidal thoughts, you got to talk to somebody. Yeah. But those are the things that's how I've helped people and even helped myself get through things where I just imagine the hotel and I imagine, okay, there's a point where the guest has certain privileges and they're very limited. Mm-hmm. But when you're feeling fear, when you're feeling anger, when you're feeling, invite them in because they're real feelings. But when you try to bar them and try to pretend that they don't exist, you're actually doing yourself a disservice. Mm-hmm. And so that for me is really the driving point home that's helped me over the years, not only get a grasp of my mental health, but also to realize it's a daily battle. People are gonna come in and out of a hotel every day. Yeah. As long as the hotel's open, people are gonna come in. People are mm-hmm. gonna come and have questions. Maybe the person's just visiting the town, depression, or the person is just like wants to ask questions, you know, self harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just want to ask a question. Uh, the person currently say yes, um, such and such and such and such, but sorry, we can't allow you past this point. Okay, bye. And guess what? Depression now walks out the door. And, mm-hmm. and that's the to me, that's not the end all be all. It's not a cure, obviously. Right. It helps. Mm-hmm. It helps. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I, I, I like that. And like I like that analogy. Um, definitely, man, we could, we could chat this up for, for, <laughs> for, for on and on, but I, I do like that analogy, man. I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Thank you, man. Um, again, uh, for, for those that, that again, didn't watch two weeks ago, how can people follow you or, or see what you're doing now? Just throw throw those, and I'm going to put the links in the thing, but just, just say it for them if they, if they want to hop on right
1: now. Absolutely. So almost every, Social media platform I have is at Gregory Vilfrank, Just my first name, last name together. Uh, Instagram is at Gregory Vilfrank, And we also have the business page, Frank Village Studios is at frankvillage.studios on Instagram. Um, I don't really do Facebook like that anymore, Um, but I am also on LinkedIn. So if you look up my name on LinkedIn, you'll find me there. Twitter, I'm at Gregory Vilfrank as well. No surprise there. Um, and I'm not on TikTok just yet. I, I just, eh, TikTok, Snapchat, as, as I, I, you know, I, that's not my thing. Maybe for a different generation. I don't hate them, but it's just not for me, but that's how you can find me. Oh, you can go to the website too. There's another great way. Gregoryvillefrank.com or Studios.com. That's all one in the same. Um, fill out a quote request. If you want to get, if you want to work with, work with us, um, and yep. Yeah. That's all I got.
0: dude I really appreciate it man I, I appreciate you being transparent us chopping it up trying to just putting some handles on it like I said like I said and um, a- again our our hope is something that we said here will inspire you to make the rest of your life the best part of your life.